1: Jesus said if you hold to my teachings you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said judge not that you be not judged. What did he mean? There are many areas where not only is it right to judge but God expects us to do so. For example Jesus said beware of false prophets. Then he said by their fruits you will know them. So he expected us to judge what people teach and the fruit of their lives and their ministry, to inspect their fruit. Uh, When Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, there was a man there living in immorality. And Paul reprimanded that church. He said, why haven't you judged this man? Why haven't you sorted this issue out? In the following chapter, he speaks about Christians that were taking one another to court. And he said, why do you let the world judge you? Why don't you judge uh, those situations and resolve them? So when we make such judgments as these, we're not really judging But we're merely discerning what God has already judged and passing that judgment on to that situation. But when Jesus said, Judge not, he was not talking about discernment, but about a critical spirit and a judgmental attitude that watches others as the Pharisees did to find fault. Let's be discerning Christians, but let's not be nitpicking, fault finding Christians. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: We've covered a lot of ground this week on the subject of becoming people of influence. Hello, Phil's my name. And we're joined once again by author and teacher Ken Legg. Now, it's been uh, quite interesting as we've looked through the Beatitudes. Um, Next on the list is blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Ken, it's a very important distinction that you made there a moment ago. Being judgmental is not making a judgment about what's right and what's wrong. As you say, when we do that, we're just affirming the judgment that God has already made. But it's more to do with having a critical spirit, being judgmental in that respect.
1: Yeah, and I think that that can cover a number of things. Let's just talk about a few of those things, Phil. For example, I think it includes judging someone's motive. Now, I might be able to judge what you say. I might Mm -hmm. be able to judge what you do. But I, I cannot judge the motive for you saying or doing those things because I don't know your heart. In fact, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Only God knows what's in a person's heart. Mm. So the first thing is we shouldn't try to bring judgment upon a person's heart or their motive because we don't know it. Only God sees the heart. Another area would be this, and I, I do hear this from time to time. People might say, I don't think they're a Christian. I don't think they're really saved. Now, we can't make that call. Who's saved and who's not? In fact, mm. you know the parable of the tears and the wheat kind of illustrates that point because you know that's what the servants wanted to do. They want to pull up all the tears, and the master said, "No, no, no! You pull up the wheat. You, you'll get it wrong. Just leave it alone." So, I think that's another area where we're not meant to judge by by saying who's a Christian and who isn't. Only God knows those that are His. You know, here is another area, Phil, in what I call extra biblical judgment. Now, I said okay. earlier on in the program that we're meant to. Discern what God has already judged and, and agree with that judgment. So, for example, if I see immorality in the church, I'm not being judgmental by saying that person is immoral. The Bible calls that person immoral. Mm. So I'm only agreeing with God's judgment. Or if, if somebody preaches, for example, salvation by works, I'm not being judgmental if I call that person a heretic. The Bible calls them a false teacher or a heretic. So that's one thing. Now, what's an extra-biblical judgment then? That's when we go beyond what the Bible says. You know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and and
0: actually the Bible doesn't prohibit those things at all. So a good example of that would be, you know, over the years, churches have said that you can't dance and you yeah. can't wear this type of clothing or you can't wear makeup or those kinds of things. So that, is that the sort of stuff?
1: Yeah. Uh, look, here's an interesting couple of verses from the Epistle of James. It says, "'Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. "'He who speaks evil of a brother "'and judges his brother "'speaks evil of the law.'" and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Then he goes on to say there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? So what we're doing when we judge someone beyond what the scripture's saying, we're actually judging the scripture. We're saying the scripture isn't sufficient in its light, you know. So we've got to add to that. We're making ourselves a judge of the law. lot the Bible doesn't say, as you say, you shouldn't dance or you shouldn't uh, listen to this music or whatever, but I'm saying you shouldn't. So in doing that, we're not only judging our brother, we're actually judging
0: the word of God. Mm. And of course, when we do discern from a biblical point of view, there is a course of action that the Bible says of how we should deal with those things too. So that's it, right. It's two-sided. Well, let's move on to the next beatitude. And this one's got a great promise in it too. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay.
1: Well, let's start with that word pure. The Greek word for that is katharos, from which we get the word catheter. Now, of course, a catheter is used for getting rid of unclean stuff, you know, stagnant stuff out of the bowels, out of the body and so on. Mm. Now, here's a question, Phil. What is it that our hearts need to be purified from? We would automatically jump in and say, oh, of course, sin. Now, we don't purify ourselves from sin. We can't do that. It's Christ that does that. Paul writing to Titus said this, that Christ gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. So his is the work of uh, justification and sanctification and so on. And we receive that by faith. Now, James actually tells us this, that the cleansing is not so much from sin, but from being double-minded. Here's what he said. He said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So purity is being free from anything that rivals the lordship of Jesus and his centrality in our hearts. Purity of hearts, if you like, is freedom from
0: mixture, from having a part of our heart towards God and a part, say, towards the world. Mm. I think it's an important distinction you just made there too because we often tend to interpret this verse as Jesus saying, that we have to cleanse our hearts from sin, you know, as if we could do that. Um, yeah. If we could, we wouldn't need a savior at all. And as you've, you've just pointed out, it's his work. Uh, to purify our hearts and, you know, not to allow anything to rival the lordship of Jesus. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing. I mean, the heart is reserved for
1: Jesus. It's the center. It's the seat of our affections. And, you know, it should be filled with love for Jesus. Now, when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, he prayed for the church there. An interesting thing. He said this, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, these were Christians. These were saints. That's very clear. So Christ was already dwelling in their spirit. They were born again. But he said, I want Christ to dwell in your heart. Now, that's another thing. You remember uh, Jesus stood at the door of the church at um, was it Laodicea, knocked on the door. He said, um, if any man hears and opens up, I will come in yep. and sup with him. Sometimes people use that as an evangelistic verse, but it's talking to the church. Jesus is standing at the door, knocking on the door of our hearts and uh, wanting to come in and to fill our hearts with his love. And we talk about uh, restoring our first love you know, letting him be first, as it were. And what happens, you know, in the Christian life, you get saved and there's that honeymoon period, but then something happens and, uh, you know, we get caught up with service, serving the Lord. We get caught up with programs. We get caught up with other things. We get caught up with the world, with with work, with money. And before we realize it, our hearts have been given over to other things. Mm.
0: What about the other half of this verse? It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What does that mean? Bill, I believe that
1: you get what you go for in the Christian life. Let, let, let me explain what I mean. Um, you remember that time when Israel sinned, you know, in the in the area of making that golden calf when Moses was up in the mountain and so on. And God says to Moses, He says, "Okay, uh, you take this people into the promised land. I will send my angel before you. Mm-hmm. I'll give you victory over your enemies. I will bring you in. It will be a land flowing with milk and honey. Everything I promised. But I'm not going up now." A lot of Christians would have said, oh, yeah, right, you know, good deal. Uh, We're going to get this, we're going to get that, we're going to get that. Moses said, if you're not going, I'm not going. Mm. No deal. (laughs) He said, if your presence doesn't go with us, then I'm not going from here. Now, here's the thing in the Christian life. We're kind of latched onto things. You know, we can have healing, we can have inner healing, we can have gifts, we can have prosperity, we can have uh, church growth, we can have large numbers and feel there's nothing wrong with those things. But we can have all those things, but not the presence of Jesus. The whole thing of the Christian life is it's all about a relationship with God. And I say, as Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want those things, I want you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God.
0: leave our discussion there today and pick it up tomorrow on the subject of becoming a person of influence until then remember you don't have to carry that baggage god wants you to be set free
1: for books dvds small group studies and other resources from ken leg and details about ken's ministry visit the vision christian store at vision.org.au that's vision.org.au